Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music Is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music Is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music Is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. Severed Angel, the deluxe edition of the self-titled debut album, available now. Pick up your copy today over at SeveredAngel.com. Available on all streaming media platforms. Severed Angel, get ready to ride the dogs of war. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Music Is Life podcast. This is your host, Lou Mabs. Check out everything you need to know about the show over at my link tree, Music Is Life podcast. I am joined today by my southern brother from another mother, direct from Rat Sound Review. And his own new podcast called Saturdays in the Fall. Is that the new one? Uh, what was the the uh, college sports one that you were doing? That, that is the college sports one. We changed the name because there was about eight hundred uh, no huddles. We found out. <sighs> well, you couldn't have confused them for no jumper because no huddle had talent. But yes, ah, <laughs> I said it. That That's an antique. Who's the antique? <laughs> Lena the plug. I, I, <laughs> Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Oh, at, hey the, at this case, she might be. I scratched that from the record. Anyways, Mr. James Lillicott's in the house. James, what's hey, up, buddy? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Surprisingly, for the last two weeks, you know, I've been. Uh, so the funny part was, uh, you know, uh, a little a little pre-gaming for our uh, the show that we do together, Rat Salad Review. My nephew told us, hey, we want he wants to go see Kiss. Until we saw how much the prices were for the darn tickets. Let me guess: three hundred for nosebleeds, uh, three hundred for the for the handicap accessible ones, which are like upper, like on the top of the bowl. Three hundred for the handicap one. That, that yeah. that's that's criminal. <laughs> to 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 sit through two hours of Paul Stanley go people. No, no. I know. So, so is he reverse Benjamin buttoning where, you know, he's turning into a young child instead of being like an old man? Oh, my God. Voice crack like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Meanwhile, while that's going on, I was checking the uh, benefit concert Whitechapel does every year is still only 35 bucks a person. Yeah, I think Whitechapel does pretty well for themselves where it's like, you know, they don't need to rip off the fans and. You know, I mean, I <laughs> it's funny. I was going through my all my 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 band tees and I realized I got one, two, three, four, five, five Whitechapel shirts. And 
I think I'm high due. quality stuff. Yes, and I think I'm due for a new one eventually. But um, the unfortunate thing is that they don't do the when they were more deathcore than they are now, and they have like the crazy splatter logo, which was when I first fell in love with and discovered the band. Um, they don't do that anymore. Now it's no. like all straight font, which is not fun anymore. I I miss I miss the one where you can you couldn't understand what the name of the band was. It was just all splatter squiggly stuff. It looked like something the devil vomited. Yeah, pretty much. I remember my mother in law asked me. She's like, "What's Whitechapel?" And I said, "Oh, it's a band." And she said, "Oh, what do they name themselves after?" I said, "Where Jack the Ripper did all of his murders." She's like, "How could you listen to that stuff?" I'm like, "With great ease." Oh, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> With great ease, especially like I just watched their uh, the, they just dropped their their last uh, music video for Ken, and it's amazing. Like it's all artistry, but it was like as soon as I started watching it, I was just like, you know, if they're shooting that where I think they're shooting that in the middle of winter, that's awfully cold. <laughs> uh, was it a part of Tennessee? I guess they were shooting. It, it, it? it looked like it looked like East Tennessee. Wow. In the winter, with like all the trees with no no leaves on them and everything, so I was like, yeah, that 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 looks cold. That's a band that does not deny its roots, and I respect them for uh, staying true to where they're from. Yes, absolutely. So it, it just looks like it, but you need to watch the video. It's an it's a masterpiece. I think it's one of the better ones they've done. I'll definitely, yeah, you put it in the chat, so I definitely want to come around and check it out. But uh, oh, I remember how we got this uh, this part of the conversation. We were talking about Kiss. Yeah, look, I saw the band once, and and I love what the music meant to me growing up. I mean, look, it's. It's it's music about boning. Anyone who yeah. tells you otherwise is lying. There's nothing evil about Kiss. Um, well, the only thing evil is them trying to get into every woman's pants. <laughs> well, Gene would like to tell you that he did, but Paul will tell you otherwise. Anyway, but <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, dude, he he completely no sold him once during D- Dick Clark's uh, Rockin' New Year's, uh, 1993. He oh, completely boy. no sold him. <laughs> it was uh, hilarious because Eddie's like, Gene tells uh, the camera crew, "Can you turn that off for a second? And then he goes to Paul and he goes, "Will you stop insulting me like that in front of everyone?" I was like, "I never saw two aging rock stars act more diva esque than that moment." Why do I want to go see these guys in concert when I could just go down to the local bingle hall and see the same thing? Emotional damage. I mean. Uh, Wow. <laughs> he went there. He went there. <laughs> but I, mean, I, uh, I, mean, I I could I could have made it a lot worse. So you, thank, thanks for not. But the uh, I try to keep I, at least some standards here on this one. OK, I'll, I'll, I'll completely, you know, deprave myself and another one. Okay? We'll leave it to your imagination. But <laughs> I did see Kiss in 2000 on what was supposed to be their farewell tour, which they then uh change the the narrative to be it was their farewell to peter and ace tour but i'm like mm, i yeah okay so 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 name name a name a you know a person who has a harder time retiring gene and paul or freaking terry funk did well here's the thing when every time terry funk came back i was happy I'll flat out admit it because, you know, some middle Asian crazy Texan going around saying, you son of a bitch. I mean, come on. That's 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 gold right there. That just reminds me of the of the Memphis one where he's like he's like yelling after Lawler and then he just goes into the ring, starts beating up the 
the the mask jobbers and the jobber jobbers in there. He's, he's just yelling for Lawler. You like, are a liar. <laughs> You're a liar. He's, just, he's squealing like higher, a pig. And it's getting higher and higher and higher as the freaking promo and the match is going on, as it keeps going. He's just elevating the voice to just a a feral hog squeal. <laughs> now replace <laughs> Replace Terry Funk with Yosemite Sam, and it would work just as effectively. Jerry Lawler is a baby finger, a baby finger, a baby finger. <laughs> Rest in peace, Terry. We love you, man. Oh, We're, oh, yeah. I love, see exactly. I can I could uh, go back to that Terry Funk episode. We got so many more freaking Terry Funk stories, and just him just being the oh anyway. Yeah. yeah, you know, I wanted you on the show tonight because, uh, well, for one thing, I haven't done a music as I podcast in a while since I had uh, the great Gus G of Firewind and formerly of Ozzy Osbourne on the show. And you and I have been talking about doing this episode for a long time. We are going to actually listen to the Buddy Rich tapes. Oh, boy. And, and, we, and we mentioned this back when we first did a podcast together on, on the show like two years ago we where we were talking about. about yeah. About Buddy Rich and his opinion on country music. And look, I mean, I'm not going to knock the man's contributions to music. I'm not going to insult his playing. But man, what a wackadoo, you know? (laughs) I mean, I I I think I think I think more of a a, a personal flatulent sniffer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. But before we get into that, you know, we're going to discuss a subject that James and I love talking about, and that is pro wrestling, especially old school wrestling. I have to put over our friend Eric Adams because they just had a successful show on September 9th at Das Barbecue where Teddy Long, Eric Bischoff and Nick Patrick. Well, no, I know. Well, Nick Patrick owns the company. Nick Patrick, the former. You had you had um, Eric Bischoff. You had Teddy Long come there. Uh, you had you had half of the Rock and Roll Express. That's uh, Robert, Mr. Gibson. Robert Gibson. That's who it was. Thank you for uh, for for correcting me on that. You know, I'm I'm very honored that Nick Patrick and Eric Adams wanted me and Wayne uh, Wayne Noon from Outside Review, also my bandmate in Severed Angel, to do Eric Bischoff's entrance music. Which, from what Eric told me, he did not put over when he was out there. But then behind the scenes, he told Eric. That was pretty good. The way you mixed my NWO theme and, uh, you know, the <laughs> WWE theme. And I was like, he put it over. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wow, I was really wrong about this Eric Bischoff guy. OK, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, you know, we can't trust everything that came out of out of the uh, the Archbishop of, of Talentberry there. We can't take all that he said over, oh, you know, with the grain of salt there. So. Yes. I mean, it, Eric Bischoff had his has his warts, but so does everybody in the wrestling business back in those days. Look, let's just remind ourselves: wrestling started from the old carny circuit. So to succeed in wrestling, you had to be a carny, and yeah. there's nobody more carny than some of these old codgers <laughs> from the '80s and '90s who just won't go away. Hey, but you know what? I, I I will still. God, you took the wrong guy. You shouldn't have taken Terry. <laughs> Oh, oh yes you know and like i like i joke um you know because because eric adams also when he does his independent wrestling he sometimes has to wrestle chick donovan who somehow magically is still wrestling at the age of like 80 
Wow. But congratulations to Deep South Wrestling and Nick Patrick and Eric Adams for a great show at Dots Barbecue in Atlanta, Georgia. I can't wait to see the footage. Well, definitely watch them on YouTube. They, they actually do some really good stuff there. And it's not like what you would expect from an independent wrestling um aka there's not there's not all the leg slaps in the world well that's kind of like what i like about deep south wrestling and first of all we, we need to let the audience know we're not talking about iwa deep south we have nothing but disdain for kevin brannon yes. that pos and you know his stupid saw death matches and him literally putting the quote-unquote wrestlers in clear and present danger with these dumbass matches that he makes them work for, you know, for these stupid Carnage Cup things where they're wrestling in front of like 20 people, you know, and yeah. like killing themselves. It's it's insane. And, Negro and, Butcher and is, said, well, and, apparently, and, and this is coming from somebody who is a deathmatch fan of, of Lou. And you're saying this, you know, that you, you know that that's a bridge too far because for me, well, I just, I'm not a big fan of it. But well, well, here's the thing. Do I like death matches? Yes. Do I like them when it's the entire card? No. Um, I believe that a death match should be used to end a feud because I think it's ridiculous when people are constantly breaking light tubes over each other. Um, there's the, there's the, there, there's the fear of mercury poisoning in the bloodstream, regardless if the cuts are superficial or not, you know, because they don't go deep. But the reason why it looks like it's a lot is because you know, the, the glass breaks into little pieces, protruding, you know, areas of the body. But it's like, OK, so they're minor cuts, but the the gaseous fumes that come from them, the uh, the mercury, that's that's not good. And he, I, I'm sorry, but no wrestler should ever have to use pigeon spikes as as a gimmick. And I, I remember in GCW when. Danny D'Amato was uh, co-booking along with Brett Lauderdale. You know, there was a a, a match, and and I, and I love Schlack because he's entertaining, but him and the late Marcus Crane, they did a match where pigeon spikes were used for the gimmick. That's just stupid. Yeah. What if that, you know, impacted your lung or your kidney? You know, it's like, is it worth the fifty dollars and a and a hot dog and a handshake? Exactly. You know, and, and and that's and that's what for me. I'm just like, I'm like, I don't want to watch that. I mean, now I'll, and I'll admit, you know, it's the funny, the funniest part about me. I hate watching somebody get stabbed after the mm -hmm. stab and everything. You know, once the blood's out, okay, let's go. You know, I'm able to you know patch up and everything, but watching them actually get stabbed and impaled that's where I get the, the heavy GBs from. Like, I think that's also the reason why, like, I, I just, I never have had the want to watch that as a human. I remember watching one when uh, wrestle circus was going on and like, you know, it was an all ages show, but Hey, this was a Masada match. So like, and, and uh, space monkey brought the kids into the back, took the kids out of there. Exactly. They got the kids out of there to freaking so that they could do what they needed to do. And then, you know, everything it's was good. I did ask him about that, and he said, oh, yeah, I looked around, and I saw that uh, all the kids were gone. I was like, hey, where did everybody go? And, uh, <laughs> and I think the only thing he did in that match was just the uh, the skewers. Yeah, the skewers, yeah. Which, But still. but you No, know, true, but, you know, now AEW does it, as we saw in All in London. There's a lot of things that London. AEW does that they shouldn't do, okay? I'm not going to disagree with that statement. Um, you know, 
when I when AEW first came out of the scene, I was kind of hoping that it would be sort of like a better WCW than what we ended with. And and don't get me wrong, I love wrestlers like MJF. I love Chris Jericho. Um, yes, I'm still a Jericho fan. Yeah, I mean, and- he puts on he still puts on good matches. There are so it's the same thing with me. Like I I, I understand your point. There are good wrestlers there that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. But the product on on in full, like the whole show itself, I could rather not watch that. James Cornette has definitely had his opinion on it. Unfortunately, I mean, I you know I understand. Take his opinion with a grain of salt. You know, he he has not ran successful you know organizations and you know people's opinions and everything like that. See, I disagree but- with that. I disagree with that because I thought Smoky Mountain Wrestling, you know, it being a regional promotion was a very good alternative to extreme championship wrestling. I agree, but a lot of people, you know, make fun of it because it only lasted four years, but. Yeah, well, that's how long the original XPW lasted. Exactly. Uh, But that's back now. But uh, But, yeah, but people, but people, you know, they had, they like, they want to find something to bash because they can't bash the logic. And that's always what I've had a problem with it is. And he makes some good points. I agree with some of his points. I disagree with some of his points, but Mm -hmm. the lack of of quality control really hurts that product. And, you know, and, and, and I know we're probably going to bring up, we're going to talk about this, but everything, but the whole situation with CM Punk and the whole, you know, executive vice president situations that should have never have happened. It's it's not it's not just that that it happened. It was how it was handled and everything was just so unprofessional. That's a PR nightmare. I can't say that they haven't recovered from it, but, you know, it's still talk on a lot of, you know, wrestling fans, um, their social media. And, you know, there's always something on YouTube popping up every hour about it with, with someone giving their opinion. I mean, I don't know what happened. I'm not going to pretend like I know what happened. All I heard was that it was an issue that occurred between him and Jack Perry, where Jack Perry wanted, you know, a jungle boy wanted to use glass in the match. A real glass. Which does not make any sense when you are on a platform that's broadcasted internationally. Exactly. Like AEW. Now I'm going to open up a can of worms. I keep thinking back to the whole Vince Russo crash tv type mentality i'd rather just call it crash and burn tv because Mm -hmm. there's a reason why wrestlers even though they bled a lot you know in the 70s and the 80s when you still had the territories they still had long careers yes because there's a psychology within the ring that doesn't require you to use real glass you could give the illusion that you're using real glass i mean you could just get sugar glass and and you know for someone who does high risk maneuvers why would you want to risk causing any kind of like bodily injury to yourself like that yeah and and that's and that's where you know i i i I, that's where i side with with you know with phil or or cm punk or however you want to call his name right now that you know they probably brought him in to say, Hey, you, you know, clean this up a little bit. You know, the, the people are, are running a little bit too crazy and we need somebody to, to teach these young kids how to stay, 
you know, healthy because they're running through, they were running through people and they didn't have champions. And, you know, he hears someone go, Hey, I want to try this. And, and, you know, he goes, well, that's stupid. Why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to hurt yourself like that? Why, why do you want to use real glass? And, you know, instead of taking that as going, Oh, you know, maybe he's looking out for me. You go on pay-per-view in the middle of 70,000 people and, and call him out and then be shocked and appalled when somebody gets in your face about it. Phil Brooks is a very polarizing person. Absolutely. In the 100%. world of wrestling. You either love CM Punk or you hate Phil Brooks. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those situations. There are points, I guess, where I thought he was the best wrestler on the indies, especially like if you watch his old footage from IWA mid South, yeah, where he's completely generating heat from the audience with, without even trying. Well, that's because it was him being himself, but yes, but I loved watching it. Yes. You know, like, and, and the situation that happened in ring of honor where, you know, apparently he got into a fight with Terry, uh, 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 Teddy Hart. Yeah. Honestly, if, if Teddy Hart had uh, been put in a coffin after that situation would have happened, I would have personally gone up to Philip Brooks and say, thank you, because I can't stand Teddy Hart. <laughs> I, Which, mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I hate to say this, but with some of the stuff, it's kind of shown that, hey, um, if he has a problem with you to that that bad, he wants to fight you. That might be a you problem, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's a different there's a difference difference between yelling yo what the fuck or something like that you know when he says something off you know off kilter and you know getting you know going up there and just you know just saying you know and and confronting him with it with words not physically confront him you know and actually want you know and having to get to fisticuffs. Well, the big thing I guess now is that apparently the uh, scuttlebutt around the internet marks is that this is supposedly him making his way back to the uh, land of the titans i don't see it i i don't you know i i I take that with a grain of salt yeah i don't think he goes back to that i think he was literally really trying to have a place where he could do his own creative shit because he thinks his his, you know he's another one who thinks that you know his farts don't stink and um you know he wanted to do his own thing and did not want the meddling of titan powers i feel like even with the new name and everything like that and the new ownership you're still going to have those influences from those people that he had very creative differences with yeah speaking of carnies of the old school yeah who saw that coming with vince mcmahon doing a complete sell to ufc and this stuff happening i i I did not see this coming the funniest funniest thing about it is is that remember who entourage's re gold is based off of jeremy piven's character yes no who no yeah yes it's based off the guy who owns an endeavor are you serious i was not aware of that yes it's re gold's company that bought both ufc and wwe so like dana white has no say over ufc anymore. dana white's the president of of the ufc just like vince mcmahon's the president of the wwe and they both have a parent umbrella and they both have the parent which is re fucking gold wow (laughs) well i'm not gonna ever deny vince's contributions to the world of professional wrestling but there were a lot of bad calls on his end and 
you know, it, it's it's funny. Like, I think of the the brawl for all, how that was Vince Russo's idea to see who the toughest guy was amongst eight people, you know, all because he wanted to get back at Bradshaw. So he literally put these eight guys in the ring to fight each other and see yeah. who the toughest was. And me, you know, me, meanwhile, meanwhile, not having two of the legitimately toughest guys participate in this because they just said, why would we do this? This is stupid. Right. And you had Dan the B Severin and Ken Shamrock in the in the locker room. And and Bart Gunn won it. And, you know, yay, accolades and whatever. But then it's like, OK, what do we do with them now? Yeah. Which goes to show you realism when it takes place within storylines is one thing when it takes place in what they broadcast this is why professional wrestling needs to be predetermined yeah you know because look at what happened yeah. did steve williams ever really recuperate from no. what happened his career didn't and you know even though i do love the major league wrestling war games where you know he partook in it as part of Terry Funk's team, and, he had to go and, back and, to beating, Japan and to beating up a young Giovanni Jabroni while at it in MLW. Yes, Giovanni Jabroni—that's <laughs> the greatest name ever. I don't know. I don't know if he came up with that or or who came up with that, but yes, I I, I want to give Eric Adams the credit that he came up with that. <laughs> we should... <laughs> in, in fact, when I uh, when I was looking for because I was looking for him on Cage Match, and I'm like, he's only on a handful of things. And then I went to the second MLW card and it said Giovanni Gibrodi. I'm like, no. I'm like, Eric, you did not change your name to Giovanni Gibrodi. Yes, <laughs> and he, he did. said, yes, he did. <laughs> there he is getting picked up for the freaking for the backdrop driver. So I, listen, though, don't if you see Eric Adams in Atlanta, don't ever call him Giovanni Gibrodi because <laughs> you will get stretched. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do in. Please videotape it. I, I for one will be thoroughly entertained. There you go. I mean, but, I'll for all for one be. Uh, there, there's going to be a handful. There's going to be a small collective of about a hundred people in Atlanta mm-hmm. that will be watching that with absolute glee when 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 all of it goes down. Uh, <laughs> but the point I was I was trying to make was that you know brawl for all proved why everything that happens within professional wrestling needs to be you know booked you know yeah. you need you need a booker for that which you know it's obvious Vince Russo took that idea and just you know threw it out with the baby with the bathwater. but you know th- there also come times where and and Kevin Sullivan I know you had him when you had yes. Beyond Bushido on the show you know he mentioned nobody's wrong nobody's right in wrestling it's just a matter of you know testing the waters to see you know how far an angle could go well Vince did have some bad angles. You know, not all of them were gold mines. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I don't understand his fascination with poop jokes. It's such good shit. Or telling Roman Reigns to say suffer and suck. Like, what the hell? Uh, I mean, for, for I, for one, was thoroughly, you know, I, I enjoyed that part. But I knew I, I, I know everyone was not enjoying that. I feel like Vince wanted to have Roman Reigns be the John Cena and didn't realize he had a new rock on his hands until he let Roman Reigns go heel mm-hmm. and and finally pulled the trigger on that and then saw how much better he was as a heel that he could do more of it. Yeah, because I have nothing against Roman Reigns as a performer or as a talent, but it's part of the reason why I stopped watching 
in 2016. I was happy when Brian Danielson won the championship. I was even happy when CM Punk won the championship. Granted, they put Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call him, Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. Uh, you know, they they put him in more main event matches than CM Punk ever got, which I thought was ridiculous. You know, again, just bad booking on WWE's end. I just felt like Roman Reigns was just getting shoved down our throats. And I was just like, you want me to like the guy? You're forcing me to like the guy. I can't you can't force me to like someone that I feel has no character development, which, yeah. you know, I'm sorry. But when there were two major wrestling leagues, you had that you had character development. You had a necessity. Correct. You know, you know, and 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 you as the viewer had the option to choose between one or the other. Exactly, and you know, and and I'll give them a lot more credit with developing and everything. I I feel like with with NXT turning into what it did. Now I know Roman Reigns. They said, "Oh, he's part of that." I don't think he was. He had as much development as they do nowadays, because you got the some of them come out of there. They're fully you know fully baked, ready to go. Just go straight to the main roster and thrive. Um, biggest one for me, obviously, I'm going to be biased here is from Knoxville and Bianca Belair just comes out hundred percent. She knows what she's doing and she could be the face of the company mm -hmm. and they, and they grabbed her straight from college and brought her up with a little help. Not wrong with that at all, but I wish I could say that I know what was, what, what's been going on with the product to like really have an opinion. I know that if someone mentions certain wrestlers, I get happy to know that they're still working. Like, yeah. I'm happy that Finn Balor is still wrestling. Even though she's not a good slam poet, I still love Becky Lynch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's um, been making the rounds. <laughs> yes, it has been. Um, I'm a huge fan of some of the, like, like I love that, that Dominic Mysterio has gotten thermonuclear heat with every single Latino person in the world by turning on his family for one woman. Oh, Rhea Ripley? Yes. I would turn on my family for Rhea Ripley, so I don't blame him. <laughs> Funny part is, is they found uh, her and, and her and her uh, fiancé, her husband, at a Aussie football game when they were on break down in down in Australia. Oh, yeah, I heard about and, and, like, that. The camera was just panning past them, and you could just see Rhea just go, oh, shit, here comes the freaking camera. And, you know, and her fiance is just like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to stand here because, you know, he's, he's an AAW now. Just, he's able to just stand there and just let the, let the, let the chaos pass right by him. She's like, crap, I got to be on TV. <laughs> I wonder how I'd... they make that work when it's like your significant others wrestling for the other league. Um, it's called you're just getting paid. Not, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know, but it's like, you know, touring schedules, I'm sure. Like, you know, I mean, because WWE wrestlers still go, I think, four to five days a week. I mean, most of them have met them met the their significant other in the WWE, so they kind of understand what's going on. I mean, look at look at yeah, you know, Zelina Vega and Alistair Black. Mm. You know, doing the same thing. Now, yeah, yeah. There was one interesting program that I did watch, and I know it's been out for a while, but I finally got around to watching the A and E biography on Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay. And have you seen it by any chance? No, I haven't. Okay. So, spoiler alert. The craziest thing about that episode was when they interviewed Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and they were talking about their WrestleMania 3 match. Okay. Did you know that that entire match 
was planned out ahead of time by Macho Man on notepad and pen, talking over with Ricky. All right, this is what we're going to do here. And then we're going to do this. And then like they literally numbered every move Mm -hmm. and memorized every move and went out there and put on what people say to this day is the greatest WrestleMania match ever. From our wrestling sources, that was every single Macho Man match. Uh, Macho hated doing things on the fly. He never called a move in the ring? He hated calling moves in the ring. Really? That's he, funny. That's completely the opposite of the Ricky Morton school of thought. And 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 also, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is from that school. He likes to call everything in the ring. So it shows how good those two were together. They were able to work through those two differences and paint a Rembrandt painting in the middle of the ring. Yeah, I mean... It's still something that I can sit down, watch, and enjoy. I mean, it 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 is like the the ninety or is it ninety eight or ninety seven All Japan Tag Tournament when it had like everybody in it. Like I can't recall. Like it it was because I I never really got to see any All Japan matches. I saw more FFW than uh, All Japan. Um. The see, like for me, like that was the one, like with Doug Furness and, and the Can Am Express in there, mm-hmm. and you know, they had the funks in there, they had everybody, so that's why, like, I love those mm. those tournaments because it was just a who's who of wrestling. I'm assuming San Hansen was part of it, oh, of course, it, it's all Japan, that means San Hansen's there, Larry and somebody. You know, I've gotten a kick of watching his old promos just because they are so entertaining. Obviously, his role is like is, is of a Texas redneck A&M, yes. you know, uh, the funk school, you know, uh, chewing tobacco while the freaking spits coming out of his mouth. You made me sick. From what I heard, he was stiff in the ring because he couldn't see. He was blind as a bat. 100 <laughs> percent. Your job, your job was to let it hit. He was throwing it. Your job was to ha- make it land easy. Oh my goodness! And, and, you know, I, I'll never forget Paulie's words in his induction video, his uh, Hall of Fame induction video, where he says Stan Hansen was the man that broke the neck of Bruno Sammartino. Yeah, and you know it's funny watching Stan's interviews, and he said, "I felt so bad about that. I apologize." I'm like, what, what, "Wait a minute, is this the same guy?" <laughs> I always think of Stan Hansen when he broke Vader's eye. Oh, yeah. And that video has been making the rounds a lot on YouTube. It always does. Uh, the one. See, my, my thing is we never got to see the best version of Vader because that was UWFI. And watching him and freaking um, Gary Albright just do big hot shit just in the middle of a ring, just big behemoths beating the God out of each other. Mm. in a shoot in a in a in a shoot fight mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but every San Hansen f- f- match was a shoot fight I That's mean it turned into them it, it got saucy fast okay these these things happen all right but, but the Japanese love that though Oh, and also like it, it shows like that's their big blow offs are those matches where they're or you know they're going all out like that you know people people forget they think King Road was a style you did Monday through Friday no, mm-hmm. King's Road was for the big matches. Mm. You know. Do you think it's safe to say that Stan Hansen is the father of uh, Strong Style? No, because I still call that. I still think that's a Noki. 
You said that it's Anoki. Okay, fair enough. I still think that's Anoki. I feel like though he was the he is the the continuation of King's Road when guys like Kobashi and Masawa and everybody were 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 starting to build up. He was that he was that driving force to perpetuate it from Baba into those into the pillars. Mm. All right, good, fair enough. Another program that I've finally caught up on all the episodes of is Dark Side of the Ring, which, you know, you hear a lot of the, I'm going to use a word again because I think it's a funny word, the scuttlebutt amongst wrestling personalities who are now podcasters. Oh, um, boy. A lot of them. That that show shouldn't exist because it exposes the business too much. I'm like, yeah, but granted, there are a lot of fans such as James and me yeah. who respect the business and we respect the art form of professional wrestling. You know, I'll even give credit to MJF for, you know, keeping kayfabe alive and, you know, keeping his character alive. Like if people recognize him on the streets, yeah, <laughs> you know, but is kayfabe really as valid today as it was then? I don't know. To fans like us, we keep it alive because yes. we're smart to it. We we want we want we want to believe still. We like to suspend our our, our belief. It's still real uh, to us, damn it. <laughs> it's still real to us, damn it. However, um, I'm sorry, um, to those people who also make podcasts and everything. Um, it wasn't uh, it it wasn't anybody's fault but yourselves when you decided to pin somebody in a in an airplane with with wearing nothing but a, but an open robe and a smile. <laughs> you know, um. So once again. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to find sympathy. You can't be calling kayfabe when you're doing, you know, sex creep stuff. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I draw the line at that. You know, See, I, I wasn't even mentioning him. Uh, I, I, I think I, it was actually Disco Inferno that said that. You really never think mind. I care what Disco Inferno <laughs> says? No. <laughs> All right. But no, um, I, I agree. I agree with your point. There is one really good wrestling podcast that's out there that I do. Well, watch on a consistent basis uh wrestling shoot interviews with that british guy um i think his name is david i think his name is have you watched those no i haven't okay wsi you can find them uh on 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 youtube he's really good like he asks some great questions he's had uh R ricky morton he's had dutch mantel actually he does spin-off um uh podcasts with dutch mantel and he just started one with shane douglas Okay. And um, he asks some really good questions. And unlike a certain other person that has an ad free shows thing, although I do like his content, <laughs> um, he doesn't interrupt the guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I like Conrad Thompson. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, uh, the guy you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, Conrad, uh, I'm, I don't first, think he's the worst podcast host. I don't no, think he's he is. Not. He's not. But he's also not the best in the world there that gets paid money to do this stuff. But, um, you know, I, I feel I feel like, you know, a lot of people, you know, unless you unless you dig into who Conrad Thompson is, you wouldn't know. Oh, hey, by the way, you know, he married one of Ric Flair's daughters. Kayfabe is not alive. Anyway, <laughs> no, we're not going to kayfabe that. Forget that. No, no, this, this is true. He is an honor. He is a, a flair in law. 
<laughs> he is a flurry in-law. So, I mean, like, I feel like that's where, like, I get, like, okay, I understand you got a job to do and everything like that, but you can't be trying to, you can't, you can't be trying to, to work me while knowing that also is there as well. I mean, I can, I can suspend my, my disbelief a little bit. I can't, I can't go that far. I, I understand, but I do think that this, uh, this guy, and, and again, I hope I have, I got his name. Oh no, it's James. His name is James, James from wrestling shoot interviews. Okay. Um, he does a great job and you know, he, he doesn't ask like the typical BS questions. Like, I mean, he, he really gets into like their careers and you can tell he didn't get his research from Wikipedia. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he actually does his research. So, um, and, and I mean, and I, and I feel for it. Cause like, I mean, you could get some really good stories from Dutch. Dutch was a really smart guy that was in a very, it was, was there at a really weird time in Memphis wrestling. The line he always made of when Jerry was, 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 was going to the WWE going like, Oh, Hey boys, you know, we got to get off the gas now that, you know, they're drug testing us and Dutch just pops up and goes, we can't even afford performance enhancing food. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh my goodness! You know, so I mean, like you know, what, what what do you expect from a man like that 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 had the gall to name himself after one of the more famous heels in wrestling in the early days? I I guess because you know I, I always knew Memphis was a very big uh, territory for mm-hmm. for professional wrestling, especially in the days when it was still continental prior to mm-hmm. it becoming USWA. Like you know, you you knew. Th- the guys, I guess, were were making a living back then, but then in the '90s when it went USWA and like you wonder how did they make a living? It was different when you were getting a guaranteed contract from WCW, and yeah. when you were making, uh, you know, money per booking at WWE, you know, and obviously them being a national promotion, they paid more than the than. than any regional one did at that time. But I just wonder how did the guys manage to like make um, a living full time wrestling in either Memphis or Smoky Mountain or uh, even early difficult. ECW? I'm sure well, it I mean, was. I mean the flop house was a thing. So I mean there was you know like you know communal living and in, in in at that time Jefferson City, Tennessee was uh you know not as expensive as it oh. is today. It's still not very expensive the cost of living in that area where they were based out of wait till more new yorkers move in <laughs> hey hey yeah thanks guys thanks guys yeah we're full. hey by the by the way P- psa nashville's full so can you guys please stop <laughs> going there um for the love of god please stop coming to nashville they're full <laughs> well i'm um, still here i'm still here and on long island so you know I, I i say i say this tongue-in-cheek as a person who's who's, who's staring down the barrel of moving to to <laughs> middle tennessee so I gotcha. But anyways, um, having watched all the Dark Side of the Ring episodes, I've come to one sentence statements about how I feel about certain episodes or certain personalities that they discussed. So I'll begin with David Schultz. He's owed an apology. He's owed more than apology. Um, <laughs> He's and, owed restitution. And, and restitution. <laughs> and also, I, I I love that that man transitioned from the world of professional wrestling to and being bounty hunting. To being successful as a bounty hunter. And being on Morton Downey Jr. twice. And being on Morton Downey Jr. twice. Call, calling out Thunderbolt Patterson, which was hilarious. 
the bet the better the better one was uh when dennis carluzzo calling uh who did he call a two-bit jobber on that show oh is that guy jim something who apparently said that he was um yeah he was propositioned by jim barnett yes which i'm sorry everyone back then was propositioned by jim barnett. my boy and I don't condone it, but you could have said no if you did <laughs> yes. said yes. There, there, there is this word no, and he would understand. He wasn't going to punish you for saying Cause, no. Because Tommy Rich said no. Yeah. And, and he still to this day says, no, I was not propositioned by Jim Barnett. <laughs> Ric Flair, if Oli hates him, there's a reason why. Well, in Rick's defense, Oli hates a lot of people. No, but he really hated Ric Flair. I agree. And he, he, you know, he's completely justified and... on that one, but Oli, but Oli does hate everybody equally. Yes, but except, he, except he hates people some more. He he but he literally put the belt on Flair to keep him out of wrestling in his territory. That's great. That's beautiful. That's petty on another level. Did I cut you off with David Schultz? Was there anything you else you wanted to say to that? Uh no, D- D- David Schultz, uh, yeah, he's owed an apology and everything. However, I enjoy that he will still sell your book if you send to him $20 in the mail. In the mail? Yes. Has he heard of Venmo or PayPal or Zelle? He lives in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. He does not have internet. He does not. He barely has a phone. Well, I'd get it. All right. Hulk Hogan. His recent interviews show he's still a dirty carny. And that's really all I could say about that. Why would you go out and say that the day, like a couple of days after you beat Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3, that he died? Why would you go around telling people still to this day that you auditioned for Metallica when Lars Ulrich said, I never met you? Look, I, I enjoy that he loves working in a crowd and 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 fully believes the gimmick that he has created the last 60 years of his life. So you think he's, you think he knowingly is saying these lies just to stay relevant? I, I, I am not going to either confirm nor deny. I I don't know if he believes his own gimmick that much nowadays, or is it just, he is working everybody at all times. Well, I won't be going to Hulk's Beach Shop in Florida anytime soon. I can tell you that. Tell that for yourself. I I I I sold my uh, uh, Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy back in 2010 on eBay. I think I got 40 bucks for it. I'm surprised I got that much. Because yeah. n- now I don't think I'd get anything for it. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. Someone's already telling me I need to go to Clearwater when I visit visit Florida again. <laughs> Herb Abrams. More credibility than Vince Russo. <laughs> Look, cocaine's a hell of a drug, and he did a lot of it. A lot of it. Um, still one of the greatest deaths in wrestling history. Oh, please tell the story. Oh, of the of the of, of being uh, barricading him, Vaseline with bar- prostitutes, barricading himself in inside of a, a of a office after the cops have showed up. With a I, all I could say is a metric ton of cocaine and and hookers, and decides this is where I'm going to go out in a blade of blaze of glory, lubed up on Vaseline, naked with cowboy boots on after doing how much of the cocaine possible. I think Cocaine Bear was the only one who took more cocaine at that time than Herbo Turbo did. Herbo Turbo. Yeah, that was his nickname too. It was Herbo Turbo. 
and then going out the window in a blaze of glory, all Vaseline up like the greased up deaf guy, high on the Colombian marching powder. And remember, kids, don't forget your Herbie cookies. And don't forget your Herbie cookies. Absolutely. Look, look, Jim Brunzel still probably has a few of those lying around. They're probably stale as hell right now. <laughs> I would hope so. They're 40 years old. 35, but who's counting? Vince Russo. Again, Brawl for All was just stupid. Dumb. And again, Vince Russo knows nothing. And, and look, I'm a fan, okay? And I am not a subject matter expert. I'm just a fan who remembers what it was like growing up, saw the transition of where it was going, and I could appreciate companies like Deep South Wrestling for doing what they do now because to me that continues on. I I, I think those those kids, those, those those wrestlers in Deep South Wrestling, when they should they go on to greener pastures with WWE or AEW or Japan that people will know that that's good stock, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, be, because they respect the business. But I can honestly say, with everything Vince Russo said in his episodes of Dark Side of the Ring and everything he continues to, to, to say to this day, that he hates professional wrestling. Um, he, no, I'm sorry. He said he despises it. You know, he he hated the all the wrestling stuff. But meanwhile, if it wasn't for the wrestling, you wouldn't have wrestling as we know it. Because, you know, for McMahon to have bought out all those regional territories, there had to have been something good there in the first place. He also was the guy that made titles meaningless. And if you watch those episodes of Nitro where the belts are just going back and forth, David Arquette, that's all I need to say. So, And like I said, Crash TV should just be Crash and Burn TV. But anyways, go ahead. Um, uh, My only answer to that whole thing is Vince Russo makes me embarrassed to be a Giants fan. Vince Russo makes me glad I don't watch sports. <laughs> it's, just, it's just he, him, and that, that's the only connection me and him have is that we love the San Francisco Giants, and I'm embarrassed that he likes the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I grew up loving the Yankees. You know, number twenty three, Don Mattingly, that was my guy. To see him in a Barry Bonds jersey, I was like, you shouldn't be wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the only thing that I could see in response to him when he says it's just wrestling that it doesn't matter. Uh, my response is because we want wrestlers to have successful careers where most of them can escape without injury and to not watch them retire early because of crash TV. You know, I mean, my, it, my big, my biggest takeaway from that episode is that after he says that, then you have Jim Cornette literally almost in tears shaking from anger about that, showing his passion for what wrestling was. And, you know, the whole joke of, of him and Bobby Fulton, you know, uh, what Dutch and, and, and Jerry Lawler or uh, Jerry Lawler and uh, Jerry Jarrett would say was like, if you broke their heads open, little wrestling rings would fall out. Whereas if Terry Taylor broke his head open, another, a, a, a certain female anatomy would be falling out of his head. <laughs> the older I get, the more I understand Jim Cornette. You know, because it was his livelihood. Prime example of when Impact fans got it right was when they yelled Fire Russo during the Sting Abyss Coffin match. Oh, my God. That entire fever dream of TNA during that time and the criminal underutilizing of talent uh, still baffles me to this day. 
TNA, I'm not saying they could have beaten WWE. No, but they, but been they were such better. a good alternative because yes. of guys like Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Chris Sabin, Alex Shelley, Sanjay Dutt. You had good wrestlers. And, you know, they could have done Flippy, but they could have also done a real good story in the ring. So I enjoyed how they would do the thing of where they'd get everybody worked up with all the flippity stuff at the beginning, do the X Division stuff. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, that's when you started doing the meet when you had Angle. Now, granted, it was Perk Angle, still one of the best angles ever out there, doing his th- doing his feud with like AJ Styles and all that stuff. Tra- and AJ Styles transitioning from the undercard, aka the X Division, into being a full time wrestler, the main event wrestler. You know, and and it just it turned into what you know it just watching what Russo did to it kind of ruined it because I mean like you had such good tag team too you had LAX you had you know the Dudleys still at their at their peak they're going strong you had the machine guns that were able to bring in something different you had you know you had these different tag teams that were able to come in and do things you had America's Most Wanted or Beer Money which I think was a better combination. Um, go in there and actually put on classic matches and putting on what you would consider wrestling. But then all of a sudden here came the reverse battle Royals and all this other hoo-ha crap that just kind of took the piss out of it. You know, another thing that just killed me was that I can never see Jeff Jarrett in the role of like a Ric Flair, you know, where he was the company's top heel. When you're the guy who owns the company and you're making yourself the top heel, no. That would be no good. No good. No good. No good. There's a reason why Kevin Sullivan never gave himself a title when he was booking for WCW. Because he knew that if he did that, he'd be screwed. And, And that's what happened to Jeff Jarrett, I think. Well, and also, I mean, and 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 this is not to defend him because he's indefensible. I I don't know where that other top heel could have been. Well, I'm trying to think, who else did you have outside and, of the, outside of having a a heel monster like Abyss? Right, Monty Brown. Uh, no, not Mon- enough character there. No, I thought. No, the alpha male was not that. He was a great mid-card guy. Yeah, and then he went to ECW, WWE CW for like yeah. a minute, and then it was like, where'd he go? <laughs> yeah, and then he got injured again, and he was gone. Yeah, no, they, I, I guess there really were no formidable heels. No, it, it, I mean, it, like, they were trying things. They were trying to make Sting heel, which just didn't work. You Sting can never Sting work up. as a heel. Can never be heel, ever. And um, even, even when they tried to make him a heel, he still got cheered. Exactly. Um, you know, Kurt Angle can be a heel, but then there's just times when you can't deny what he's doing in there and you just can't help but cheer for him. You know, exactly. And the one impact show that I saw live, the main event was AJ Styles versus Kurt Angle. And this is back in February 2008. They put on a great match. Of course they did. They're both they were both professionals and, and, and both in peak physical condition. Mm-hmm. I understand the issue. The problem was is that they could never fill up a, a a top heel that could be that guy. Did they even want to is also a debate we can have. Well, I was a fan of the main event mafia. I thought they were good heels. Of course they were because he had Scott Steiner yelling, he's fat to Samoa Joe. Oh, that's true. He's fat. 
And let's not forget that great mathematical equation promo that he did. Look, look, and, and also respect for MJF for, for, for attempting the same thing on national on, on live television. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, British Bulldogs. You know, I used to love them. I really did. Um, Never got to see them. Well, I lost respect for them after I found out that they would give Matilda, their British Bulldog, X-Lax. And I think this might have been done in my kids doing. This is definitely this was definitely not my kids doing. Yeah. And, you know, and the X-Lax would, of course, cause stomach issues to poor Matilda the Bulldog, which would then cause to, well, you know, the drizzling shits, as Oli would call it. Yes. And, you know, they would use it to rib the other wrestlers. I'm glad Jacques Rougeau knocked him out. I'm glad he knocked out Dynamite Kid because after watching his episode and, you know, and, and, and again, I I feel bad about how things ended for him. But at the same time, as I'm watching this and I, you know, him pulling a gun on his wife. What a dick. Um, I, I hate I hate to say this. Um, and, you know, I know this is probably not the nicest thing to say. I, I believe that he had that that shit coming when you treat people like garbage. So for so long and then you're shocked and appalled when when all that happens when you when you're old and dying in, in a wheelchair. Well, you've kind of brought all this stuff on on your own. This is the garden that you that you've tended to. I have less sympathy for Dynamite Kid. I feel terrible for Davy Boy. I the the whole accident with WCW and everything, mm-hmm. which was just pure stupidity, one hundred percent unadulterated to stupidity yeah. of how that happened. That's where I remember him from. I remember I remember just watching Davy Boy. I never got to watch the British Bulldogs themselves or the Hart Foundation themselves. I've had to watch them on video. So I never got to actually feel it in real time. Well, knowing what we know about Stu Hart, which, you know, he was he was a bit of a hard ass. Do we blame Dynamite Kid's shortcomings because of possibly a Napoleonic complex or environment for being raised in the hard dungeon? I did not hear anything bad about Brett, Owen, Davey Boy or (laughs) Jim Neidhart outside of substance issues of Davey and Jim Neidhart. I've not heard a lot of negative stuff from them, but yet magically the only one I've have heard and not even heard bad stuff about Brian Pullman. None of them. It's just been one person. It's funny that you mentioned Brian Pillman because that incident that occurred where not his ex-wife, but the woman Rochelle that he was with prior to being with Melanie, where she took her own life. And Brian felt responsible for that because he wanted full custody of his kids. That unfortunately put Brian Pillman in a in a dark light for me. It does, but outside of some, of certain things, I have not seen the the constant the, the constant stories of assholery that the Dynamite Kid has did. Well, every other person who went through the Heart Dungeon doesn't seem to have pulled through the most part. Uh, obviously, there's tragic circumstances in most of them. I don't see it. And also, Lance Storm not- is doing great. And Lance Storm's doing great, exactly. I mean, and say, say what you want with uh, about his political views or anything like that, but Jericho's doing great, and he was one of the last ones in that. Magnum TA. Could he have been a bigger superstar than Hogan if he didn't have his accident? No. Why? I Okay, so I've watched Magnum TA and all that stuff. You, I never got the camera presence and the charisma that Hulk Hogan had with Magnum TA. I saw the great body, 
the great promo, you know, and, and everything packaged in there, but he was the black hole of charisma, in my opinion. No charisma at all. It's like his promos and everything. His most notable promos I remember is uh, is with him and Dusty Rhodes and Dusty's eating the camera alive. Well, that's what he did best. Yes, because he because he could because he was Dusty. Yes, but still, that's just my, that's 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 my opinion with the whole thing. Well, I mean, I definitely the best I quit match ever in history, okay. in my opinion, with him and Tully Blanchard. <laughs> Oddly enough, he'd end up marrying Tully Blanchard's shoot wife later on. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> have I heard some stories about that? <laughs> that might be uh, for a different episode. That's a uh, different episode for a different time. Now, granted that 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 woman had to deal with Tully Blanchard when Tully Blanchard was in full Blanchard mode. So <laughs> that could mean a multitude of things. Oh, uh, and it does. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, Mike Graham, sad ending, incredibly sad ending. His father's unaliving, his son's unaliving, and his own unaliving. And all the praise in the world to his daughter for doing good stuff uh, with uh, outreach programs and stuff like that. But, you know, I watched some of his shoot interviews and his whole never drew a dime shtick. And, and he was talking about what he called the vanilla midgets, meaning Eddie Guerrero, uh, Chris Benoit. And, and, you know, granted, we're not condoning anything Benoit did in 2007. But at the time, before he did all that stuff, yeah, I loved watching him. You know, I mean, if, if it wasn't for those guys and, and Saturn... I really didn't have much reason to watch WCW. I mean, the, those were the guys that made me want to watch it and invest in it because they had good matches. Mm -hmm. So when he's saying that he got the play, he got the minute by minute ratings. How number one, how was that possible when Arbitron and Nielsen? Nielsen thank you. They don't do it minute by minute. So what no, the hell is he don't. talking they, about? They still don't do it because he's making stuff up. And uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to. Yeah. I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to speak ill, but obviously, when you start saying that stuff, you're making you're pulling shit out of your ass, and he's full of it. Yeah, I don't believe that he actually went up to Benoit and told him what he did to Kevin Sullivan. That if that was him, he'd he'd knock him out. Um, I don't believe that. he really did that. No, I don't think he had the 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 uh, intestinal fortitude to. Uh, no, I'm trying to keep you monetized here. The intensive <laughs> fortitude to uh, do that, to confront somebody with a legitimate shoot background like Chris Benoit did. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to speak ill of the dead either, but I mean, I remember he said uh, one time he was asked by Eric Bischoff, like, you know, how we could save money. And he said, cancel the Clash of the Champions because, and this was back in 94. And he said, and right after that, you know, we had extra money in the bank in 94 because we canceled Clash of the Champions. I'm like, dude, the last Clash of the Champions was in August of 1997. Three exactly. years later. What the hell are you talking about? Because he's you know? making stuff up. So was he notorious for doing that to put himself over? Um, I, I, I don't know who this person is we're even talking about, but obviously he's trying to do that. 
well, you know, who my Graham is he's the son of Eddie Graham and, you know, Florida championship wrestling. I remember Eddie Graham. I don't remember my Graham at all. Okay. Well, <laughs> for, the record, <laughs> for the record, a lot of people don't remember my Graham, but he definitely let himself be known. Like, you know, if you watch the rise and fall of the WCW uh, DVD or, you know, and his stuff's on YouTube everywhere where, you know, he says, this person didn't draw a dime. This person didn't draw. I'm like, motherfucker, you didn't draw a dime. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is you? But again, it's just tragic what happened to his family. You know, I mean, you know, Eddie, Eddie Graham stories are the are the best for how much of a wild man Eddie Graham was. I heard Adrian Adonis. Why mess with Dan Spivey? Why would you do that? He'll kill you. <laughs> Waylon Mercy will kill you. <laughs> I mean, I was thoroughly entertained. But th- this, look, I- I'm not one of those people who exacerbates the whole toxic masculinity thing. I think you just have assholes within genders. Yep. It, it can't be the reason why guys like Adrian Adonis or Dynamite Kid would do that because of some kind of built up insecurity or so much testosterone that they were around that they felt the need to like, you know, exude their manhood by, you know, picking on people. But why pick with Dan Spivey? I look at Dan Spivey and I'm like, oh, he's the wrestling version of Pete Steele. Tall and he'd probably kick my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, some some people like the challenge. Then play me in Wii Tennis, okay? We don't need to fight, you know? I mean, uh, I mean, there's been times when, you know, I've, I've seen a person like that, especially when I was training and you just go. I think I could take him. <laughs> I got to well, I got to find this out. I got I, I, I got to go over there and, and I just I got to see it. I, I, I know this doesn't make sense and I know this is stupid. Well, he didn't. Anyway, uh, last two points. Uh, well, technically one point. Because we already discussed CM Punk, and my question was why, but we already discussed that. Yeah. Um, final point would be Abdullah the Butcher. The only thing I could say about that episode is Hannibal is an asshole. <laughs> Tell us something. Sorry, sorry. This does then. Grass is green and water's wet. Hannibal is an asshole. <laughs> All right. Hannibal's a piece of shit. Sorry, I'm going to be getting you demonetized, but. I, I, that's okay because you know James over on Wrestling Shoot Interview said the same thing. He's, if, a piece, if, uh, he's just that he's a piece of human garbage that has has somehow been able to worm his way into some of the most viral moments in wrestling history by just being an absolute terrible person. That incident alone with the ref, where he uses a an equivalent to Kevin Sullivan's Golden Spike, and I'm like. How do you justify even when the guy says he's willing to do it hard way? It's like, how many holes did you put in his fucking head? Exactly. And 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 he and he posted a rebuttal to that episode where he justified what happened. I'm like, dude, there's no justification. Yeah. You know, yeah. if if Lance Storm, who you know wrestled in ECW, you know, he he used in one of his matches with Tommy Dreamer, he used the belt buckle on his head. Now, granted, you know, Dreamer did the because, bl- you know, he, yeah. he would blade. But then, like, you know, he gimmicked the, the, the belt buckle on the head and, you know, you, you'd see uh, the blood coming out. But, you know, you could tell he wasn't putting pressure because he didn't really want to hurt Dreamer. 
I just don't understand the logic of him literally hardwaying a guy like that as multiple times as he did. I, I, I once again, he's part of that that brain disease of people who think they know what they're doing, but the Dunning-Kruger effect has proven that they don't. So in other words, the Ricky Morton statement of people come into this business and think they know everything, but they don't know shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or or classic Dusty saying, don't do shit you don't know how to do. Well, you know, I got to admit, looking at Dusty's forehead, he would go with the grain as opposed to against the grain when it came to blading. Yeah. Because if you cut yourself, you know, uh, horizontally, it leaves less of a mark than if you go Vert- vertically. So oh. I, 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 that I don't understand the. Because those there's some sick foreheads that came out from that era. I'm talking about yeah. King Ikea. There's uh, a lot Bruiser, of Bruiser Brody. <laughs> uh, freaking uh, Dole the Butcher at the end of the times. He's still yeah. I well, mean, someone says that he did that to himself. Yeah, of course he did. Probably. <laughs> it's easier well, to do it that way. It's easier to hide. It's easier to do sleight of hand going down than it is going sideways. It's really hard to sleight of hand this, or it is easier to sleight of hand that. But I mean, do you think Abdullah has any? Well, Tony Tony Atlas said that you know Abdullah should be cleared of any wrongdoing because in our business, you know what you're getting into. You know, now if Abdullah was using his own blades on Hannibal, uh, my only question is, why would you do that? Exactly. So I, I guess I put some accountability on him. I, I, I don't because I, I, I just go, okay, if the match is going to call for this and you know you're going to do this, the best way to avoid these accidents happening is sitting down and saying, I don't know how to do this. Either show me or we don't do it. And, you know... I mean, it also, I also love the old Kevin Sullivan story about the chisel in Freedom Hall in Johnson City, Tennessee. Is this the uh, Wayne Canamira incident? No, no, no. Um, When uh, Kevin Sullivan was a a, uh, young baby face in the 60s, he was wrestling with Whitey Caldwell Mm -hmm. in a tag team with the Wright brothers. And the Wrights, and they said, hey, this is the big cage match. Hey, kids, you're getting color. And he said, okay, do I need to do that myself? They said, and, 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 you know, Ron Wright just said, no kid, we got yourselves. You're going to get the chisel tonight. You're going to get the old chisel. Oh, dear God. It was was like a brass knuckle that had like a little, little ax pick in the middle of your fist. So that when you came off the ropes, they punch you. It would just, it would make, it would make color. How bad was the cut? Not very small because it's because it's because it was wrapped in tape, so it only exposed a little spot, so it only go just into the forehead. Wow, it was perfect little gimmicking. However, Kevin Sullivan comes off the rope, sees that he's armed with a spike, <laughs> it gets hit, he sees blood. Jim Cornette makes the greatest line ever in this story when he says. And then after seeing that, they're wanting to come hit him again with the chisel. Kevin Sullivan pulls out a chain out of his tights because everybody had a weapon in East Tennessee at the time. <laughs> um, and he starts hitting uh, either Ron or Don Wright in the forehead with the with the fist wrapped chain. And the oh, kid, and Wright pops up and yells, "All right, kid, lay him in there." 
<laughs> and this is what I mean by people need to know their history. Oh yes, oh, yeah. when it comes the, to the business. Oh, the rights. So the rights were the only reason why Smoky Mountain got on Channel Ten. Oh really? At first, at first. Um, Tim Burchett, the uh, the the current representative of the state of Tennessee, was one of the uh, media people there on in East Tennessee. And they were in a meeting trying to get wrestling put on television and everyone was all human and hot. And then one of them said, Hey, who do you have on your roster? And of course, Jim says Ron, Wright, And everyone just went, Oh my God, it's Ron, Wright!" And they started telling the stories. <laughs> and so they couldn't get him on channel 10 after a while. So they moved him to Fox 43 and that's where Smoky mountain stayed till the end. Now, let me ask you now syndicated wrestling. You had NWA Jim Crocker promotions on channel 11 in new york and there were commercials in there for like you know uh, local stuff and you know local stores and things like that and you know you had um wwf on channel five and you know again that had commercials but both of them had the promotional consideration paid for by the following yeah and then you had ecw which was essentially an infomercial on MSG channel. So when you had regional wrestling in Tennessee, like Smoky Mountain, was it an infomercial? Was it syndicated programming? Like, how did it come off? So for me, the uh, few memories, and this is, okay, so I started, my mother moved out here in 96. So I was oh, still so Smoky living. Mountain was already done by then. Smoky Mountain was almost done. I was almost done, okay. Um, I was still living in Northern Nevada at the time, full time. However, I went to visit my mother on the, in the summer and spend time with her down in East Tennessee. And I remember getting the bunny ears and seeing the headbangers in Smoky Mountain wrestling. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, and it was local. Like you they would do a segment and then they would cut to commercial and it was the local commercials for the area i'm talking like a shoney's commercial and like that ilk that ted russell ford most definitely uh uh commercial um and then it would go straight back into it i remember uh, so so the, the most vivid memory of watching the headbangers was was the jumping headbang that they would do in wwe they mm-hmm. also had a boom box i remember the boom box yes and they would Blast the boombox in their defeated foe's face. Uh, yeah, because that's what metal fans did. And that's anyway. that's what metal fans did. Hey, this remember this was East Tennessee at the time. All right. Nobody was playing that 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 devil music there. They were they were still playing just the the normal classic rock stuff. Which makes me only wonder how much heat the gangsters got when they were there. Because those were some insane promos. Literally. Par- Parrotsville, Tennessee, outside of Newport. Newport itself is a rough area. Parrotsville is a, like a suburb for this, but just more more of the people in the White Hoods. Um, one of them, you know what he's talking about. One of them, literally, walked out in plain clothes, walked to Jim Cornette, and said, "Just give us a sign. We'll take care of the gangsters for you." Are you serious? That is that sick. They were ready to kill them. A 300 or so. So 
remember Sonny, Tammy Sitch was there before she went to the WWE. Yes. She almost got put, she got carried out of the alleyway into the stands by a 300 pound woman in Barberville, Kentucky by her hair. Because someone got damn. a hold of her and tried to drag her into the stands to beat the crap out of her. How did they stop her from doing it? Uh, so, some some people were there to break it up, but yeah, she that yeah they they yeah because if any if any time a pull apart was necessary, it was that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a, it was it was a big girl. Um, they they make them they make them strong up there. Um, but you're you're talking like they drove like two and a half hours to Barberville, Kentucky from Morristown. It's a straight shot on the highway, but it's still a bit of a drive. Get up in the mountains, and then you have to heal it up with a bunch of people who historically have shot at wrestlers, wrestlers. Stab wrestlers burnt planes down. We're talking, we're talking the worst of the worst type fans. And Tammy goes out there in her full New Jersey, freaking I'm better than you act in the middle of the holler heathens of Kentucky and expected to come out of there unscathed. I'm sorry. That wasn't going to happen. You know, the funny thing is like, you know, Jim Cornette makes no bones about his political affiliations, but, you know, he really knew how to generate heat from the audience with the talent, Thermal. like telling like telling Tammy Sitch, tell him that Hillary Clinton's your hero or, you know, just basically piss, telling the gangsters, white people off. Yes. And there, then, of course, was the uh, the OJ promo. That that was literally that. That's what he uh, he told New Jack uh, in Morristown, Tennessee. Just go make white people mad. And poor Jim Ross is sitting there with the microphone, going, "What did I just sign up to do?" <laughs> now, question: Was he on loan from WWE at the time, or was he? I on- don't know. I don't know how that entire story goes down, but I know that it was because obviously him and him and Jim are friends. And right. they were starting to do the talent acquisitions. So I mean, like, I think he brought him. They he would ask for them to come and come in for you you know, know, more, more promos. Cause I mean, there's only so much, you know, putting Horner in your corner will do for you. I hear you. Well, it was good to see Bob Cottle on TV again. But uh yeah, I I'll I'll end the wrestling discussion by saying I think my favorite New Jack statement in Smoky Mountain was I got a college degree and a criminal record, so I know a little something about making life decisions. <laughs> the fact that, that they took a camera crew with those title belts into freaking Compton and mm-hmm. walked out of there was a was was one of the more ballsy decisions I've ever seen. Yeah, and apparently they were supposed to work their way to an angle with the Undertaker. Did anything ever come of that? No, they already jumped to ECW by that. They were already at ECW at the time. Wow. Imagine what could have been. I would have been entertained. (laughs) Undertaker coming out to his music. Then all of a sudden you hear natural born killers come out. New Jack's just throwing weapons at Undertaker. And he's like, sell for me, motherfucker. Sell. (laughs) I'll make you sell. As Gypsy Joe. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, The the whole line of. Uh, the the whole line of oh and here comes assault number five in the 
<laughs> he takes a knife out on it up and here comes assault with battery number five god could you imagine lance russell being the play-by-play guy and now he has an international object all right, come on. This isn't a wrestling oh, match. Oh, he's using it against him. Oh, come on. Get him <laughs> out of there. Uh, I love old school wrestling. <laughs> I miss that stuff. It Me used too. to be more fun. Me too. Thank you, Deep South Wrestling. <laughs> Thank oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. The C-Dub stuff with Jim and Jules has been absolutely fantastic for that old school wrestling feel. Yes. And, and again, not to confuse it with that piece of shit, Kevin Brannon and to to wrap up what I was saying before before we move on to the Buddy Rich stuff, uh, yeah, not like I said, I like death matches when I feel like the match serves a purpose. When it's violence for the sake of violence, without any any angle or build up or you know any rhyme or reason behind it, I don't like it. And you know that and that guy apparently has a very notorious um <laughs> background which you know is sort of relating to like a a a, a dirty a, a dirty dick murdoch type yes. uh type background which he denies to this day but if you ever heard him talk he tells you otherwise <laughs> anyway, except, so- except, except except dirty dick murdoch was endearing at times <laughs> i wouldn't know <laughs> anyways but yes deep south wrestling keep up the great work thank you for listening to the music aside podcast brought to you by anchor.fm and ratsaw review check out the other shows on ratsaw review including beyond bushido old man metals musings the right opinion the viera vault the Timo Toki Podcast, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and the Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Maps at musicislivepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislivepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>